Welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. Uh, this week, we are welcoming Jason Syme back on the show. Uh, Jason was on episode number 85 with his friend, Brendan Leonard, uh, who does the semi-rad stuff, if you follow that kind of thing on Outside Magazine, which his things are fantastic. Um, and they both came on that episode, and they talked about their short film, uh, which is called How to Run 100 Miles. Um, if you haven't seen this film, uh, it's up to 4.2 million views on YouTube. They've taken it all around the country to all sorts of different film festivals. Um, and in my opinion, it's one of the absolute best films uh, about ultra running. Um, I think it captures the spirit. It captures the ups and downs, the peaks, the valleys, the the why we love this so much, um, you know, cause I think to the regular person, uh, people could be like running a hundred miles or running an ultra distance. Like what, why would you do that to yourself? Um, and I think the film really does a good job exploring the reasons why, and it, it really focuses on Jason and kind of explores his reasons for taking this on. But it also is cool to see the friendship, the community, the hard work that it takes to even train your body to to uh to to run one of these races, which is super cool. Um, Jason's coming back on. Uh, I really love hanging out with him, chatting with him, all of this stuff. He's a really um, smart guy. He has really amazing insights to just the human mindset um, and positivity. Uh, his website is called Right to Shine. Um, basically it's saying you have the right to be positive and to view things through this positive lens. Um, and so you can check that out and he writes a blog on there. And a few weeks ago, I, I was checking out his blog and he had an article called, um, how to run 82.5 miles, <laughs> which definitely got my attention. Um, so reading through the article, it was, it was written about his second attempt at a hundred miler uh, after finishing his first one for their film uh he he signed up for the black hills 100 and um yeah we're gonna get into the race report today so i don't want to spoiler alert anything but um he he made it 82.5 miles which is a feat in of itself you know that's a that's a major accomplishment for most human beings on earth. And obviously when you're running, racing a hundred miler, um, there's the potential of, of that being a disappointment, um, taking a DNF there and you'll hear all the reasons why and everything he's learned about it. But, uh, I just like Jason's attitude and, and his spirit. And I like discussing this with him and really breaking it down and, and figuring out what he learned, how he can apply it to his, his running and his, you know, athletic endeavors, but also how he can apply these lessons to his real life. I think that's uh, the most important part, and that's where we actually grow as human beings. So, um, super cool episode. Really pumped for you. I think Jason's awesome. So let's get right into it. Um, this is the Like a Bigfoot podcast number one fifty nine with Jason Syme. I just got back from a run, so if you can imagine, I'm just sitting here, like dripping sweat. I smell very badly, um, so it's so it's actually kind of like a good deal that we're doing this over the phone. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish I wish I could be there, sweating and dripping in 
sweat with the same endorphins that are going on. I'm just going to use your energy to fuel me through this this uh, talk. Yeah, yeah. No, it's funny, man. Like, I don't know if you ever experienced this, but like, I just went out from my front door on like a regular five mile run, and sometimes I think those are like. And I haven't figured out why, and I've been trying to figure this out for a couple of weeks now. Like, why are those runs harder or like just as hard as like these big long trail runs that we do? Yeah, I, I haven't. I ask myself that question a lot sometimes on three mile runs <laughs> in the city. Yeah, and I don't know if it's because it's the city mentality or it is you're in the streets or you're just like, it's the heat. Sometimes I'm not sure, but sometimes I think those three and five are harder than anything when I'm putting in 20, 20 plus miles. Yeah. I wonder if it's just like the mindset going in, you know, where you're like, Oh, this kind of feels not as adventurous maybe. So it's not as stimulating or fun, I guess. Yeah. I think that is definitely a part of it. I know for me, uh, for my case, I know sometimes I'm on the shorter ones. I feel like I don't adequately either hydrate, eat properly, or I'm pushing those boundaries too, which makes it a little bit more suffering where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go for a run. And then I'm in halfway through. I'm like, I really didn't drink much water at all. And it's 90 out right now. Of course, this really sucks. Yeah. So, um, that's, that, that, that's my case. Sometimes that happens. Are you like intentionally going out and be like, I wonder if I can run three miles without having eaten anything? Or is it just like, oops, my bad? No, I mean, I would say the more, some of my morning runs, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll take that philosophy of not, not having any fuel for my shorter morning runs just to, you know, train the body to be able to burn fat a little bit earlier. Um, but I don't usually say like part of my training at I'm going to do no, no, you know, go out and run no fuel. It's more that sometimes in the, in the morning or sometimes in the, you know, in the afternoon, I'm, I know that it, it probably better because I've worked, I've used my brain, right. Yeah. I spent all my uh, storage of glycogen and glucose. It'd probably be good if I fueled a little bit, but all of a sudden I'm just changing my shorts and I'm heading out the door. And that's of course why I'm suffering rather than like on a long trail run. Usually for me, like I have proper breakfast or proper midday and snack right before I get ready to run in. You're fueled yeah. up. You're ready to go. Yeah. You're treating it more like race day almost. That makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Because I, yeah. I literally, you should have seen me before this run because I, I just told you that I recorded some podcasts before this and I didn't have a lot of time. So I was just shoveling, shoveling a spaghetti squash in my mouth while like trying to talk to my dad on the phone. And then I went out for a run. I'm like, oh, yeah, that didn't give me any food whatsoever. <laughs> no, no, spaghetti squash. I mean, you probably got like 50 calories. 50 calories. <laughs> I, or know. I know. Or, was... or you probably lost calories by chewing, <laughs> chewing it up. It was the only food in my refrigerator that was like ready to go. Oh, I'm like, man. oh, man. Uh, so it was rough. But, uh, oh, but yeah, man, welcome back to the show. I'm excited to kind of catch up and, and hear how everything's been going recently. Oh, it's great to be back. I'm always talking about running, suffering, trails, all things. It's always a great time. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Well, so I guess I, I saw that you wrote a blog recently, um, and it was called How to Run 82.5 Miles. Um, and... You know, it's kind of, I, I hate to even say like I enjoyed the blog because 
it was all about you suffering and and things going kind of haywire on this run um but I did. I really, I, I enjoyed re- reading about the adventure and like your reflections about it afterwards. Um, and I kind of like want to hear the story. Um, so, so going in, was this your, this was your second 100 mile race, right? Yes, it was my second one. Uh, the first one being in September of 2017. Yep. Yep. And the first one is what, you know, you and Brendan were on and we talked about the how to run 100 miles, which, which I guess like, kind of to follow up on that at this point you've shown it to a few different like audiences right yeah i mean it's been shown on multiple film festivals you know at bam mountain film um, festivals and then other film festivals across the across the this country and across the world so it's actually pretty crazy sometimes uh that's so cool to see how much that film has been out there and then like the messages that i get from you know, people from around the world that have, you know, saw the film in one venue or not. So I never, you know, anyways, my friend puts a piece of art out there. You never think that it's going to come back, <laughs> particularly with a story about you that you're like, oh, I don't think I'm worth a film or a story. Um, and so it's, it's been pretty incredible. Yeah. Well, I Always mean, it's, humbled by it. it's obviously connected with so many people, you know, and it is it is funny because it is a really like personal story. Um, for you and so what's that experience like sitting in a movie theater screening the movie um, with like an actual audience in front of you it's it's always a very raw emotional um, experience in terms of like watching it itself and then like seeing the audience react and then sometimes for me I'm looking at it and going is that really me (laughs) up there on screen? It's one of those things you're like, huh, is that really, is that really me? Um, So, you know, I think that at the end of it, it's always like, it's, it's a very rewarding. I'm I'm very grateful that, you know, Brennan, as he would say, produced such a wonderful thank you card and producing (laughs) the film and, you know, telling, telling the story. Um, But I'm always humbled by the the reaction that the audience has and the questions. And then, you know, the, the topics that are engaged or how it provides inspiration. I mean, yesterday I was out at Red Rocks um, seeing a show and a woman as I'm walking out, she's like, Hey, you're the guy from the film. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) you know, it's one of those things you're like, yeah. And so I asked her, I was like, do you run, you know, do you do long distance or run? She's like, no, I I run, but I use the film to sort of help motivate me and get me out the door at times when I'm feeling stuck. And I have to tell you, as a person who used to watch motivation film uh, videos and things like that, that I still do to think that someone's watching a video that I'm in doing the same. It's just like, wow, the universe, it's, it's it's pretty hard to put into words at times. Yeah. It's so crazy. It's just crazy. The positive effect you can have on people just by kind of like putting yourself out there, you know? And, and I'm sure it's difficult. Cause like, if I think to about like my races, when I've felt the worst, like, I don't know if I'd want to like show that to every, everybody, you know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. But more props to you, man. Yeah. That's brave. That's a, it's a brave to kind of just be like, Hey, yeah, man, this is what happened. This is what I felt like. It's very real, very raw. And, uh, and yeah, that was the experience. Here we go. No. Yeah. And that's right. I mean, you, you get to put a positive 
every time you do one of these podcasts, right? So you get to see a uh, reflection back in terms of the work that you do just by having, you know, your story and guests uh, on to share their stories. It's, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of like, I mean, that's my whole goal with this is just to kind of like spread positivity and goodness on the internet where, you know, there's a lot of negativity, you know? Yep. And I'm kind of just like, why, why wouldn't you just spread positivity? It doesn't like, that makes more sense to me. You know, that's a more fun way to live. (laughs) Definitely more fun way to live. Definitely more fun way to live. Yeah. So, but yeah, man, so you, you signed up for your second one. What, what was kind of like the driving force behind that? Yeah. I mean, and what I, what I said and what I wrote in the blog post, I mean, I think that I signed up for the Black Hills 100. It's a race in uh, South Dakota. It starts in Sturgis, South Dakota. And part of my reason for signing up for it was, you know, I did the last 100 mile and my ankle ended up really taking a, a crap or not working at the end for roughly 30 miles. And it was, you know, it was very painful. But I also had a lot of, you know, energy. I like, I like doing it. I like the adventure of it. Um, I appreciate a part of the pushing your body in the limits. So I wanted to sign up for another one because I wanted to see, hey, could I could I go there again and could I finish strong? And also, I was somewhat after that first one, I was somewhat scared. Like, would this happen to my ankle again, or what? You know, would, what, what would the pain would be, and what would I do? Um, and I wanted to test it out, and I didn't want the last race. I didn't want that to be like the last taste in my mouth of a hundred miler. Yeah, that could be the right expression. So that's why I signed up for another one. Yeah, man. Well, it's, it is funny. Like I've heard a couple of people recently talk about that, like where you almost need to do the event again, because if the first one was such a, and a hundred miles is going to be challenging no matter what I have to imagine. Absolutely. Um, And, and you don't want to like, I, you just wrote in your blog, you talked almost like you didn't want to be scared of running 100 miles anymore even though it's it's just funny because you're someone who's already done a hundred miler and from my perspective running a hundred miles is scary but i've yet to do one yeah you know what's funny is it i'm it's how things evolve because i gotta tell you i I think i was more scared to run the second one than (laughs) i was the first one and maybe that's because of right that's because i didn't have any i hadn't done a 50 the longest i had done or a hundred the longest i'd done 100k uh so I maybe didn't know, but I definitely felt probably because of my ankle and how it ended that I was, I was probably more scared in the second one than I was the first one. Yeah. Did that affect your training at all? Or did you train differently or approach it differently? Uh, I I think I approached it differently. um, In terms of the first time I I took the training very serious um, and, and not that I didn't the second time, but I didn't, put as, the second time I didn't put as many miles in on my feet in terms of overall, but I also did a lot more core and strengthening, particularly around my feet, my ankles, my legs to try to, and, and focus a lot more time on, um, the post recovery. Um, some of the, you know, I'm, you do yoga every day, but you know, doing a lot of yoga and stretches and making sure that I'm keeping everything, um, agile. Um, and that, so that would be a big, difference in terms of like counting everything that I did as training versus the the first time I did it was like only the runs that mattered. And this time I sort of approached everything as training for the hundred, like kind of like a full body experience kind of deal. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you're, so you're, are you still a 
instructing yoga? I taught a couple classes earlier this uh, earlier this year, partly because of my work and some scheduling and other things I haven't taught uh, in a while. So yeah. I still can teach, but I just haven't been teaching regularly. I well, still practice. Yeah. Can you like speak to just like the importance of yoga in ultra running? Because it, it kind of like, I don't understand. It's hard for me to understand like if someone just, and people do it all the time. So it's not something that they can't do, but it's like, if you only go out and run, if that's like your only workout, it's really hard for me to kind of like wrap my head around that because I think yoga and staying mobile and flexible and stuff is like so incredibly important. Yeah. I mean, here's what I'll say to that. And I'll say that because of what I know from yoga and being in the room and having taught around the world and seeing different cultures, different bodies, and now being out in the trails, and as, as you experience seeing different bodies, different yep. shapes, that you and I may agree that we think that keeping the flexibility in yoga and we think works best for our bodies. But I got to tell you, when I run and go out with Brendan, that guy doesn't stretch. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't do he doesn't do half the things I do, and I'm the guy that's like my ankle ends up hurting or this <laughs> or that, and so I think I yeah. think. You know, there are things that are probably really, you know, biomechanics and some running form, all, those, all that stuff is very true. But I also think there is very true on just some, like, fundamentals on the, the body and what works best on my approach may not work best, Chris, for your approach. Yeah, that um, makes sense. I think, I, think, I think stretching and keeping, you know, there's plenty of research and people say that in terms of looking at other cultures and just keeping you be able to – your body agile to be able to move for X number of hours or be able to stay strong as you age. But I, I'm hesitant at times to recommend just knowing the different bodies and stuff and the way people are. Um, it's a big part of what I do, Yeah, you know, pre stretching and post stretching. So, yeah. Well, it's almost like figuring out what works best for your individual body, I guess. Yeah. And I think, and then with the with the added addition of like what works best with your body during the moment and the time, you know what I mean? At the time, uh, what's going on too is also the factor because it yeah. changes. Yeah, that's interesting, man. Yeah, I, I, that's definitely a great way to put it because I've seen many runners who are just like complete badass ultra runners who, you know, you're like, what, do you, what else do you do for workouts? And they're like, what do you mean? What else? <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. And I think you fit into that bracket, right? You're, you're very strong. I was, my friend's a, a physical trainer for the uh, PT for the Dodgers, and they were in town early, last week, and I was lifting with them, and I was the them and the strength training coach, and they're like, they couldn't believe it. They looked at my body like, you don't look like a runner at all, because in their mind, they have this, like, small, skinny, lengthy runner, and when I'm telling them I'm doing, like, 30 miles or 50 miles, and they're like, wow, I can't believe it, right? But it goes back to what we said before. Body, every body type, everything's different. Yeah. When you go on the trails, I'm always amazed to see people that are older, different body types, passing me, smoking me like it's nothing. I'm just like, yep, this is why I love it. This is ultra running, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yep. No, I totally Human potential, it. man. It is, yeah. Which Fantastic. I, I want to get into the whole human potential side of things, but uh, I want to hear the story of your race first. So Black Hills 100, and I was telling you before we started recording, it's I've recorded a couple of podcasts today, 
And it's just funny because the first person I talked to, she actually ran the Black Hills 100K and she was telling me all about the race and like I was looking up pictures of it and it looks it looks like a really cool kind of hidden ultra run out there. Yeah, I mean, I would say that it's definitely not well. I mean, it's not the normal race that people talk about, right? So um, it's part of the reasons why I signed up for it because it was something different in terms of just not here in Colorado. Yeah. So I wanted, if, I was, if you're going to spend 100 miles, why not spend 100 miles just checking out some new scenery? Exactly. And so that was part of my that was part of my thinking. Yeah, yeah, that's cool, man. So, um, how did the race go? Like, I know I, I've read your blog, and I know at some point, kind of things didn't necessarily go your way. Um, hence the 87.5 miles thing, uh, or 82.5. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, you know, to keeping it short and brief, cause otherwise this thing will go on for, for <laughs> sure. The race will still go on forever. But I mean, I think that the thing that's of note is that, you know, it was as what at least the race director said, it was the, you know, hottest uh, race that they've had hot and humid. Right. So that going into, I knew it was going to be hot. We didn't have many hot days here in Denver. So having practiced a lot of hot yoga, I did a couple classes beforehand, was pretty thinking okay with it um, going into the race. But on race day itself, I mean, it was hot and it was humid. And I actually couldn't believe like how hot and humid to start the race off, how it was. I mean, we had some good shade to start off, which I was very thankful for. But it was just like, oh, my God, how can, you know, how are you going to do, how are you going to do this for, a hundred miles, um, 105 actually. And I was like, well, I'm just going to go slow, steady and stick with my game plan. Um, and that was, you know, that was working. And then at some point during the race, um, I was following a couple, a woman that I had been trading off with. We've been, you know, she passed me an aid station. I passed her the classic things that happens during these runs. And I was following her and pretty soon me, her and this other runner, we had taken a wrong turn. We had missed, we had missed a, a course. And that is one of those things where in a hundred mile race, I don't think I ever want to ever have that experience again. Cause it is a fucking, Oh shit. Are you kidding me that I took a wrong turn in a race that's this long? I don't care if it's like 10 feet. Yeah. I don't want to be spending 10 feet. Yeah. Um, but you know, we found our way back. Um, made my way in and slowly I, after I got lost, you know, slowly made my, my, made my way back, um, started making up time, took a, missed a turn. I didn't take a wrong turn, missed a turn, but caught myself and quickly quick enough to be able to follow, find the course again. Um, but, but all those little small mistakes put me closer to missing the cutoffs, um, in terms of at the 50 mile marker. Um, so, I rolled in way slower than I wanted to, to meet the 50 mile um, cutoff time only, only about 45 minutes left to spare, but I was still in the game. Right. So I'm still in the game. Um, still feeling strong at that point. I don't know if it's because adrenaline or I'm pissed off that I took the wrong corner, but I'm, I'm still moving pretty good. You know, I got some blisters on my feet. I'm a little bit cranky of what happened, but it's dark time. It's dark now. So um, I picked up my pacer and somewhere between, I would say, mile maybe 60 so or 70, my, my right ankle really started to hurt me again. And it ended up 
uh, on, you know, getting really swollen. I started losing the range of motion. And so I pulled into mile, uh, 74 mile 74 the aid station which actually was mile 82.5 because of all the miles that i had done while i was the extra credit around and lost extra credit man yeah exactly. <laughs> the extra credit miles um and it was at that point you know i had already done seven miles in pretty severe pain that i was like you know what i'm not gonna i'm not gonna push because i still had 31 more miles to yeah. go yeah and knew what it would re- having done that in my first hundred miler, having looked at what that caused post afterwards in terms of recovery, not knowing, you know what I mean? You push to a point you're like, is, is it going to go back? I hope it is, but it's one of those injuries where you're like, Hmm, you don't have a doctor there or an x-ray. So you have to sort of make a, a, a gut call on how much you know your body. And so I called a day and it was, I mean, it was, it took me, over a month to write this post. And part of it was because I was so, you know, it's only a race, but you're, you go back and forth on the decision to drop out because I'm someone that doesn't believe in uh, giving up. And I, you know, at the time I was like, Oh man, do I really want to do this? But I had to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so was it, was it the same ankle as before? Nope. That's, no. that was a oh. shitty thing. It was my, it was my, yeah, I know. So, I mean, I saw so my training and whatever I did fix the left one. It was my right one this time. Oh, so, man. Yep. But I one think. One of those things you talk. Yeah. I, it's Go interesting, ahead. like, the whole, like, waiting a month to write the post kind of deal. Like, did it take you that long to, like, actually process um, the conversation you had your, had with yourself at mile 74? Yeah. Yeah process it and be like, write it to, you know, go through it enough where I'm like, I wanted to be as true, yeah, you know, to myself and to what I was feeling to the moment and how I felt about it as possible. And it took a while to work through some of that because some of it, you know, I was pretty frustrated uh, directly after, after the race and, you know, looking back on the mistakes and, you know, you, you know, you grow when you, you learn from these things, but yeah, it took, took for a month and I'm dyslexic. So Right. Sometimes it is a process for me in terms of making it flow and putting it in the right places. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so what was that conversation like? I mean, you kind of mentioned like it makes sense. Like what you just said is super logical. And logically, you're like, I made the right decision because, you know, if you know what it's going to take for 31 miles on a crappy, like beat up ankle at that point. And what you said makes total sense. You're like, there's no doctor here. I don't know how bad, if this is like going to cost me like a year of not being able to do anything to finish these last 31 miles. Yeah. I mean, and I, I think the, the, there's the process of that conversation and then there's a process of which some people, you know, they, they talk about this, but there's also a process of like, you know, Kate, my loving partner, is involved in this conversation because she's already here crewing me. She's already sacrificed a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. And then it's like, I'm going to push my ankle for 31 miles and then ha- and then say, hey, you need to take care of me now too, um, right? And so there's there's the dynamics and you, and you have a family with, you know, with kids. And so there's all, there's all those light dynamics too that's like, is it? really a great story if i push myself another 31 miles on my other ankle just to finish yeah. um because i know because i know i could finish yeah. now do i know i could finish 
making the races cut off because I lost all those miles of being lost. I'm not sure about that. Um, but I know I could have finished on a bum ankle, but I don't know how I would have finished. And if it would have caused more, you know, severe, uh, you know, lifetime injury or something that I've been dealing with, like you said, for a year. So yeah. it was a, it was a tough call. It was yeah. a tough call. Yeah. Well, and you, you called it clunking out where you, uh, the body, it's part of your body isn't working the best, but you still have energy to finish. And that almost probably makes it even harder. It made it made it so much hard to be honest with you, because at that point I was still running, like you know what I mean, strong. Like Kate and every, you know, was like, man, I can't believe how good you look and how like you're moving through these aid stations very fast and everything. All that felt all that felt good. Yeah, did I have blisters on my feet? Absolutely. Am I like feeling like I just rolled out of bed? No, but did I feel good enough to finish strong and keep you know running the sections I could? Yeah, absolutely. And I, that's and I think part of the reflection is that my brain wants to forget all the pain and where I was at and just go, <laughs> why just stop Jason? Yeah. And right. That's what's amazing about the brain after the race. It kept forgetting everything and just going, you should have just kept going. You should have just kept going. You're like, stop talking to me brain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It kept being on repeat, but I had to like say to myself, like, no, what would I, you know, what would I coach someone or what would I tell a yoga student or whatever? What would I tell you if you're in a similar situation? Right? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and I didn't even think like, I mean, it makes total sense. Like thinking about the other people in your life who, if you get injured are going to have to sacrifice to help you recover. Um, that's something like I didn't even, I didn't even think of, but you're 100% right. Like that, that's part of the decision too. And it has to be, and you have to be like, okay with, with um how that their role like plays into that right kate you know she looked after me my first race <laughs> i mean that's not a great position i mean it's amazing that she's willing to do that but to say yeah i'm gonna do this again you've already gave up so much of your yeah. time yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna need you to then wait on me right so i think there's some realization there too yeah and the privilege Right, the privilege that comes with being able to go out and do these races and everything like that to then go all oh, and I'm going to also injure myself because I have that, you know. So yeah, 100 percent, man. I it's and then you wrote in your blog post, you're like, hey, like I ran 82.5 miles, and I'm like, that's incredible, you know. Like you just got to almost. It's almost like since we're a part of the ultra running community where people are doing, you know, a lot of miles all the time. It's like, oh, you you have to like almost take a step back and be like 82.5 miles is something like most people are never going to experience like what that feels like. It, absolutely. And it Kate helped me reframe that too, because she was like, you got your second PR in terms of long distance in terms of how far I went. I'm like, yeah, you're right. That's, that's a hundred percent. Right. So rather than just beating myself up that I didn't finish this hundred mile race. Right. It's like thinking about it in that context. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, I mean, it's, it's hard to even like talk about DNFs, I'm sure. And, and to write about it is very difficult too, but I think like processing it and, and I mean, you talk all the time in Right to Shine about learning from the cycle of failure and how that important, how important that is actually in, in learning. And I talk about it all the time teaching because we, you know, that's something we try to get the students to understand um 
But when I experience it myself, <laughs> I know how frustrating oh, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? So like how do you kind of deal with that kind of like weird like counterbalance kind of deal? You know, I, I think that I think you're as a teacher you can relate to this. Um and as as some of the coaches people the aspect of being able to put your mindset of what advice you'd give your friend in this situation and then using that advice on yourself sometimes is very helpful too in terms of just like a different way, right? Stepping out and going, okay, if roles were reversed, what would I say? I'd be like, no, you shouldn't, of course, stop running right now. This is ridiculous. Like you, you went this far. And, and I think that that's sometimes helpful. I also think that through this process, along with time, um, Right, right, writing, and that's why it's so much about writing and journaling is so um, so impactful. And, and the psychology and the research shows that they can be very beneficial um, to help you get through an experience. Um, and I, it was, you know, through that process that then you can also you can dig deeper in terms of what's tied to some of these emotionals or these things that you're tied to or identities or why is it hard for you? And I, I think that sometimes that gets lost because we just move to the next shiny object rather than actually taking the time to celebrate 82.5 miles in my case of being, you know, that I did that in very tough circumstances and then being able to go, okay, how can I use what I learned to then help me move forward? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I mean, having a different perspective. For sure. I think writing is the number one key to like just reflecting or even like maybe not even writing, but like just taking a pause in life for a little bit because we can be so busy and we can like constantly be doing something nowadays. And it's, it's probably not healthy for us, like our mental well being to like just constantly be moving from one thing to the next. Yeah. I agree. And this, the, the post that I wrote is like, I don't know, two, 2000 or some words is very long. And I, and I did it partly. I was like, I have no idea if anyone's going to read this at all, but I want to do it for what you just said, because like, I got to like, you know, close the chapter, but also take the time to reflect and think about it and have it all out and done. So I'm, you know, and having a conversation with some people too, about either it's a moment of celebration or maybe it's a moment of learning or um, growth, right? In terms, I'm not going to call it a, you know, a failure as, as much as like a lesson that can be learned and internalizing and having that conversation with a friend or a coach or colleague is sometimes something that I we miss a lot too. Yeah. Yeah, man, definitely. I I think it's interesting because I think you're really good at, um, and I think it's a really good skill, is the whole like positive reframing, like turning an experience, like I guess the way I look at it is like the experience is the experience. It's, it's not going to change. It just is what it is, right? And the way you look at it and the way you think about it can either be like it can either be negative or positive. Like two different people can look at the same exact experience and walk away with two completely different like mindsets about it. So, um, can we like kind of go into a little bit of like positive reframing? Cause I think it's a really good skill, um, for people to understand and like, you know, put into use, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, it's so commonly used right in terms of like the classic, which I write in the post, like the silver lining. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and people say these are these idioms that are across cultures that are basically used to take 
you know, a bad situation or an event in life and think about it in a positive light. Um, you know, and how does that translate um, into your own life? I think there's a variety of tools that can be out there. I think one thing is like, you know, you can always use what the book Positive Intelligence talk about is like, whatever happens in a bad situation, what are three gifts out of the situation? Um, or, you know, you can also go use a quote that life, that this is from something that Tony Robbins and others say is like, life isn't happening to you, life is happening for you. And just those shifts of reframing gives your, gives your brain that wants to be focusing on negative because that's how it's wired, right? Like we we're chased by all these animals. Like it's constantly looking for danger yes. to actually be able to focus on a positive solution oriented situation. And so the more that you do that, the more you're going to be able to retrain, which is, which people think there's something wrong with them having like negative or um, self doubt, um, limiting beliefs. No, that's exactly how we're supposed to be wired to, to do it. Except we're not getting chased by this giant tiger or anything in the savannah, right? And so yeah. the, sometimes when I'm coaching and working with people, it's like, I have those thoughts too. I'm just constantly working to combat them with positive reframing and how I look at the situation, which takes active work um, and, you know, active engagement in the conversation and being aware of your thoughts in your mind, um, which every time you do that, uh, the more you set up yourself for success. Like, yeah. I'm sure your students, if you ever have your students, like, give feedback, everyone wants to think, like, ne you know what I mean, like, negative feedback immediately, right? But if you just train people to say, hey, before you give any negative feedback, I want you to give me three, what, what are three things I did well, and then give it in the negative. Just those simple things, even in relationships or with, you know, teaching or that can have a huge impact because we get so easy. And I'm doing this. Oh, they did this wrong. They did that wrong. Well, why don't you focus on what they did right? Yeah. Are you kind of saying like, because you're talking about like it takes work to um, have those positive thoughts and the positive reflections. And I 100% agree. So are you saying like almost if you don't think about your thoughts, if you're not like metacognitive, you can almost just accidentally fall down the path of negative thinking about a lot of different situations? I think for some people, yes. Yeah. Yep. I, I mean, like I connect other... to that because I just, I feel like that's the way it is for me. Like when I'm not being as intentional with my actions or my thoughts, like I can definitely kind of like fall down that, that rabbit hole. Yeah. And I think play it out just in a natural a day that something could occur. So I get up in the morning, I start listening to the news not a lot of stuff good going on in the news right now. No. And then what does that do to my, what does that do to my brain? Then I started thinking of this negative, like, oh my God, what about this and that? And that's not doing, not saying that that's not good to hear the news, but then you got to understand the impact that it has on your brain and your thoughts. Versus if I was to get up and go, I'm going to listen to Chris's podcast where we had these inspiring guests on talking about how to, you know, overcome obstacles or lessons they've learned. What does that brain, what does that tell my brain? Oh, you can do that. Oh, this is how you should think about this. And those are two different ways of taking an in information, you know, like anything, like doing the reps you do for your thighs or your legs or your biceps is putting, you know, reps into your brain and being positive. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if you, have you ever read the book, The Happiness Advantage? 
I have not read the happiness advantage. It's really good. And I, I think the guy does a Ted talk maybe. So it's kind of like the summary of the book, <laughs> you know, sometimes I do that. I just like watch the Ted talks instead of reading the book. Um, but, <laughs> but in the happiness advantage, he talks about, I'll this, check it out. Yeah. he talks about this thing called the Tetris effect. And basically the idea is like, whatever you're looking for, in your day to day, like whatever your brain is trained to look for, it will find. And so like con- talking about like happiness and positivity, it's like, um, if your brain is trained to be grateful or like you said, be realistic with your feedback, but like also look for positives along with the negatives. If that's the way you're th- training your brain, that's the way you're starting to perceive the world. And I think that's like really interesting, but it does take that like, intentional hard work you know yeah and it, and if you as um james clear and atomic habits talking about you know how you get good habits the problem with some of these habits we are wired to be like have instant results in terms of being able to make a decision like you know i eat this food and i get i get an instant reward <laughs> yeah with positive like when you think about the opposite like behaviors that are good for us, a lot of the positive is does not come right till a month down the road or until you get through something. Right. And so it's very hard just to go into some of these habits where there's like positive mindfulness or like reading books because there isn't an instant reward. And that's opposite of how we are, you know, wired to do. And that's, you know, it, once you realize, then you're like, oh, okay, I can make a different decision that will impact me, um, you know, maybe two months, three months down the road. Yeah. Do you think like ultra running and you getting into the sport recently, do you think that's kind of like almost a way to counteract instant gratification? Because I mean, you know, just as well as I do, the amount of time you have to put into it every single day, like most of the time, you know, your runs aren't pretty. They're what we just talked about at the beginning of the podcast. They're like the five mile going out your back door, sweating and not really, you know, it's not pretty. You know what I mean? (laughs) Do you think that's a way to counteract that instant gratification mindset? Ah, that's an interesting question. I mean, I would throw a question back at you. Why, what drives you to go out and say to do this five mile run that, that you did today? Are you training for something? Right now, kinda. <laughs> Nothing like kinda. Yeah, okay. kinda. It's not like you know how people have like the A goals and the B goals of the year and stuff. Yeah. Um, like I'm definitely doing a race and I haven't fully gotten into like race mode yet. You know what I mean? Um Okay. So what drives me, I think at this point, I mean it's it is habit and I I know how I feel when I'm being proactive with like training and how I feel when I'm like kind of not like letting the training slip to the wayside. Okay. I thought you were going to say how you feel afterwards. And I would say that is the, for me, the the driving force for, yeah, for me, for exactly for me, for a lot of the running and why I do it is for, I'm after it because of the state change and how I feel afterwards. Um, in terms, and you know, maybe that becomes how I was raised, and I would consider myself an, you know, an addict of, you know, used to drink a lot, smoking pot for a while, and so like this is like 
movement and physical, like looking for that physiological change has, and then seeing the benefits that come with it has, is a real driving force for me. I got you. Um, is there, yeah, so, is I mean, there I, something, I, is there something for you about like, this is on my to-do list today and I, once I check it off, I, that's the gratification too. Cause it's kind of that way for me where I'm like, Oh, like today in my plan, in my head, like I'm going to go for a run. And if I check that off, I'm like, all right, I feel good. I did what I said I was going to do. And that made me feel happy. You know what? I never think that way. And that's why I love human beings. Cause you, until you shared what you just, <laughs> your thought process on it. Yeah. I never have would have thought of it that way. Cause that, you know what I mean? And that's yeah. what I think is beautiful. Uh, because someone's going to relate to what you said versus someone what I what I said. I don't. I just think of it as like, oh yeah, I know after the run I'm going to feel like this, or that you know that I move my body, you know, and, I, and those benefits. Not like checking it off, um, being being like, yes, I I went for the run. Yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious, man. I I mean I get what you're saying too because I obviously like that is a benefit for sure. Like you, I, for me, like right. I, I feel good, like energized, you know? Yeah, totally. I can hear it. I can hear it over the phone. <laughs> <laughs> That's also the coffee just to tell you. Um, but, <laughs> um, coffee, I mean, caffeine is, is it's like rocket fuel. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's cool, man. So the whole, it's just, it's interesting talking to you because it seems like you've, when you dig into your story a little bit, you've shifted your mindset and you've shifted your way of life, um, you know, throughout the last however many years. Um, and it's really cool. And it's super inspiring because it, it shows me that like where you are today doesn't define where you're going to be a year from now or two years from now or whatever. Yeah. I, and hearing you say that, I'm constantly reminded how short these changes can go. And you know what I mean? Like how there's like, you know, the saying that you can't teach an, an old dog new tricks and, and that's just bullshit. Right. And yeah. the more, I think the more that you have the ability and you, you evolve and change, the more you realize like, Whoa, how differently some of my thinking or thought patterns could be from a year, you know what I mean? Or for some six months on what I, you know, what, I used to believe now I think differently about which, you know, me giving up on that, me stopping that race, that, that, that was a monumental shift in terms of being able to think about it in a different way. And then understanding why were some of the reasons why I didn't want to give up. And that's probably how I was raised and probably what I went through. So, yeah. Yeah, man, that's, that is interesting. So we were talking right before we started recording, like, is there, you, you were talking about basically you've had all this training and you feel like you're, in really good shape. So now you're kind of like, what do I use this training for? And do you have any ideas or any things that you want to like kind of pursue? I mean, there's some other races. I think what's interesting is, is like with hundred mile races, right? You're like, there's not, there's a lot of them, but when you're looking at, does this race fit what I need, you know, I'm with traveling and all those. So currently I'm in the process of trying to figure out, is there a race I could do in the next couple uh, months? that makes sense with what other things I got going on in my life. Um, you know, including that I got to, <laughs> some people go out and run these races, like, you know, by themselves, which is amazing, you know, with no crew, just drop bags. And, you know, I think that maybe one day I'll be there, but also like 
hey, Kate, my partner, will you be willing to go and yeah. do this for me on this weekend? So it's taking those things into consideration. But I definitely want to do another 100 miler. It's just, it will be in the next couple months. And if, if it's not 100 mile in the next couple months, I'm definitely going to do like 100K or something else. Yeah. Um, I mean, I did, thir- I did 30 miles a couple weeks ago, right? So I feel like my, and I did 21 on Saturday. My, I, I'm feeling strong. My legs feel good, so. That's awesome, man. Have you have you had any like Colorado adventures this summer? Nothing, nothing that's like big like you. Um, no, not that's not, not true. Too much. Just the <laughs> just the Black Hills, just the Black Hills. Okay, all right, that's cool, man. Yeah, I. It's funny because like it, we just reached the point of the year where the mountains have kind of like cleared from snow and stuff, and I'm getting like a real urge to like, you know explore some places I haven't yet. You know what I mean? And, uh, that's kind of like the fun part about Colorado is there's just like, you can choose your own adventure and there's like constantly new places you can go explore, you know? There's so much, right? So much. Yeah. So, you know, once you get to long distance, it's like you can make those adventures. You can do a lot, a lot more than, than you previously could because you can just move. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. Definitely. Well, so I guess if there's like a thought you kind of want to like leave the audience with, you know, based off of kind of like the things we've talked about today, um, do you, do you have something that, that you've like realized within yourself that you think someone could like use, um, in their own journey and like to help them accomplish whatever they're trying to accomplish? I think that the best thing would be because I, I, what I wrote in the post, um, and I'm now that I'm running my, you know, trying to run a business, it's also apply is like whatever you commit to, you can commit and give 900% to that effort. With the caveat, you got to make sure you're taking care of yourself. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> during yeah. the process. <laughs> and, you know, it, it seems pretty, you know, overstated or you know seems pretty simple you know but having reflected and talking to business leaders and seeing political leaders and seeing people that will reflect back on their later years and say i wish i would have took care of myself you know better in the earlier days because now i'm dealing with these health consequences or other issues because they didn't i I think that that is always something that you know that people need to really appreciate Particularly if you're in your, you know, 20s, your 30s, you know, people that I'm coaching now in their 20s, and I'm like, you have an amazing opportunity right right now to put yourself in amazing physical uh, shape and take care of yourself that will set you up, you know, the foundation for the rest of your life. So, yeah, take man. care of yourself and still get after your goals. Those things aren't opposite. Whatever crap you hear, that's you can do them both. That's awesome. I I love that so much. And Jason, like you're just an incredible guy and I've really enjoyed, you know, being able to talk with you and and going for a run with you and things like that. It's been really fun. It's always a pleasure to be on and have a good conversation with you, Chris. And we do need to go out and do some of the mountains. Um, Jason, where can people kind of like follow your stuff and, uh, you know, find your blog and, and your trainings and coaching and all that stuff? So my re- website is just right um, to shine. So right to shine.com. That's where people can find my website. And then on Instagram where I post some stuff, not as regular as some of the folks that are on there every day, all day, yeah. but it's right to shine too. 
just like it sounds, R-I-G-H-T-T-O, Shine. Uh, so both ways they can find me. Um, they can look me up there. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for coming on the show. And uh, yeah, we'll get back at you at some point. All right, guys, there you have it. Episode number 159 with Jason Syme. Uh, like I said, check out his stuff, Right to Shine. It's it's something I, I'm uh, on his mailing list. I love his blogs. I love his attitude and his spirit and and what he writes about. And I actually find it really helpful. So um, check that out. Uh, he talks about all sorts of stuff like mindfulness, self, uh, self-compassion, um, positive reframing like we talked about in the show, um, and all sorts of self-care things. Uh, and, and then, of course, he blogs about his running adventures as well, which is, which is super cool and, and really interesting. So um, check that out, Right to Shine. Uh, huge thanks to, J- uh, to Jason for coming on the show. Really appreciate it talking to you, man. Uh, hopefully we can get out for a run at some point soon. Um, I was emailing him yesterday. Uh, as I'm getting ready for to get the podcast ready, and I just said life all of a sudden got insanely crazy, um, and just you know in my life we're starting school again, and I'm a teacher, so we're in the first few weeks or first week of school really, which is a lot of it's a lot of information, a lot of you know kind of just getting to know your students, letting them get to know your classroom routines. Um, and it's 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 awesome i'm super pumped and i think this year is going to be great uh at the same time though it is exhausting add to that my oldest daughter starting kindergarten this year which is a huge kind of shift in routine for all of us uh and then you know our newest baby who's five months uh going into daycare and things like that so it's a lot and when i think about that as it relates to this episode specifically is I think about the lessons I learn during ultra running, um, especially the moments where it gets challenging and it gets a bit stressful. And the biggest lesson is so obvious in ultra running and is so much harder to apply to like actual real life, but it's just take it one step at a time in ultra running. It's literal, like literally take it one step at a time and you'll eventually get there. Um, sometimes you'll work through those hard moments and you'll feel great again. Um, in real life it is, it's, it's the same thing is take it one step at a time, be conscious during those times. Um, you know, don't just be riding on momentum, actually be intentional with your action and you'll be fine. And you'll eventually get out of the stressful moment. What you're doing will become routine and, um, yeah, and you'll work through it. So it's a lot of reminding myself that where I'm like, you had it a lot harder when you were walking through the desert <laughs> with uh, trying to desperately to eat like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and failing at that, right? That was, I'm like, that was a lot harder on me physically and I made it through that so I can make it through pretty much anything, which I think is a cool lesson from ultra running. So yeah, guys, I think that's going to wrap it for this week. Once again, huge thanks to Jason. Check that out. Check out the film How to Run 100 Miles. I promise you it is so entertaining and it's so good. And if you're an ultra runner, you're going to be like, yep, this captures the experience. If you're not an ultra runner, you're going to actually see what it is like to run 100 miles. You're going to experience that. 
alongside Jason and Brennan, which is which is really cool. So, all right. Uh, yeah, that'll wrap it for this week. We'll get back at you next week. See ya.